This is a Radio 191 FM podcast. Cut out the bureaucrats and talk directly to the manager. Squawking with Hawkins. Yes, yes, the mayor joins us now at the Maria, Aaron. Good morning. How you doing, mate? I'm very good, thank you. Good. Yeah, not too bad, not too bad on a crisp Otipoti morning, although everyone's complaining about the cold. It's not that cold for this time of year. <laughs> no, I was talking about gardening the other day with, uh, with my uh, in-laws, and, you know, don't really have to concern ourselves, sadly, with accounting for things like frost in quite the same way as we once did. No, no, we both know why. Uh, <laughs> and it's not a good thing. Um, but right, uh, but good things are on the horizon uh, for some. Uh, the border's reopening, an announcement yesterday uh, with full border reopening in July. Uh, and that means cruise ships uh, can be on their way or will be on the way. And I have heard... Um, through the grapevine that bookings are strong and the itinerary for um, December and January is very strong. That that doesn't go with what I'm reading in the ODT this morning, uh, or what's coming out from Port Otago, but that's what I've heard through some in the tourist industry. Um, but either way, um, you know, it's much needed. Uh, it's um, how, how are you feeling about the announcement and what it means for the city? Uh, certainly, the just on cruise ships. Certainly, the industry itself was bullish about its prospects for this summer. But I, I, I remain sceptical, uh, and 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 we will we'll see uh, how that pans out. And certainly, it will be good news for uh, tourism operators who've had a pretty lean couple of years, particularly those who um, uh, who generated a lot of business through the cruise ship industry. Uh, I think it's certainly time that we had a conversation about what kind of ships uh, we want to host in our ports and what kind of environmental standards we want them to uphold because uh, certainly I think towards the, even before uh, even before COVID, we were starting to see um, pushback in, uh, from, the, from the community and what we call the social licence uh, of, of the industry operating. So those are certainly conversations that we need to have um, the, the borders reopening is obviously uh, good news more broadly uh, for uh, for uh, hospitality and uh, and events and, and tourism, but also uh, international uh, education. Being able to process uh, visas for for students uh, to return uh, from 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 August onwards, and, and that's obviously been a, 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 a financial concern of the tertiary institutions. I certainly agree with the comments that have been made by the university and, and the ODT this morning that it's, it's bigger than that. I think, you know, we've really felt the, the, the absence of the broad range of people and perspectives and nationalities and so on uh, to, that we host in the city when, when, we, when we have our full complement of whether they're tourists or, or international students and, and certainly looking forward to to that coming back and, and of course uh, above all else uh, it's great news for uh, for families who are able to connect as and when needed uh, across international borders which has been uh, tough um, uh, for for a lot of people over the past couple of years so uh, great to have uh, have certainty um, so that uh, so that industry and, and and institutions can 
and gear up accordingly. Um, you mentioned cruise ships uh, and the environmental impact, and I know that um, you're not just meaning what's coming out the stack, uh, but in terms of impact on port and the noise and things like that. Um, how much sway does Ports Otago, which is a subsidiary of, of um, the DCC, have in terms of what can come in and what can't come into port? Oh, firstly, if only they were a subsidiary of the city council, they're, 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 um, they're owned by the regional council. Oh, sorry. sorry um, it's they, the, 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 the standards that, uh, that ships do meet are set at a national level. So yeah. they don't have any real, any real say. I mean, there certainly are uh, and should be ongoing conversations around things like uh, ship-to-shore power, of which would allow um, boats to to be in to be in port and be powered by means other than their own, yeah. uh, and and that would allow you, I think, would put you in a better position uh, to have those sorts of discussions around uh, environmental standards, around um, uh, air and, and, and noise and and so on. But you know, th- yeah, those are um, those are discussions that are uh, above above our level. Yes, that's right. It goes right to the top, right to your local MP, which I'm going to about something else this morning that I talked about. Uh, anyway, let's move on now. Uh, council, um, there was a report coming in the ODT a couple of days ago, and I guess it came across the DCC later on that day uh, with uh, targets um, around building consents, resource consents and things like that um, being below par and not being met for the nine months from July the 1st through to the 31st of March. Um, you know, we're in a bit of a boon when it comes to construction and development at the moment, um, and I guess um, volume must play a big issue in that, but still not reaching those targets must be a bit of a disappointment. Yeah, it's certainly not ideal, but you're right, and anybody who's been paying attention around the place will see that there's a lot going on uh, from a construction point of view, and, and at the same time, it's uh, harder than it would been to, to find the qualified staff to be able to do that, to be able to do that work. Um, that's, that's not an excuse, but it, it's, the volume is certainly a factor, uh, as, is, uh, as is the pandemic and, and its implications for, for workforce and so on. So it's something that we're certainly very keen to get on top of, and and uh, uh, and there are uh, concerted efforts underway to look at how we do things uh, differently to try and to try and bring that uh, back uh, under the the statutory deadlines. But we are far from alone in this uh, around the motu. This is something that territorial authorities up and down the country are struggling with, both in terms of of volume of work and and the capacity for. Uh, for us to be able to deliver that work, um, be at a at a at a higher level, though there's a there's a big question to be asked. I think about whether, whether we are asking the right questions when we go to assess the performance of various parts of the organisation. Uh, we lean quite heavily on currently on the residents' opinion survey, and that that's a valid data set of of feedback that you get from your community, but it's and um, we don't have any method at the moment of finding out why people necessarily feel the way they do. Yes. Uh, and it's certainly not quantified, which is probably more helpful in terms of then being able to look at how you might improve that. Uh, and, and certainly um, it's a harder thing to, to quantify. And, and often where you have both, uh, you have metrics 
uh, that um, are tied to the resident opinion survey and you have others that are more quantifiable, they can be at odds with each other. And, and um, take stormwater, for example. So on the, on the measurable um, indicators that we use to assess the performance of the stormwater network, uh, by and large, we meet all of those, uh, but we get uh, a very close uh, rating from the Residents' Opinion Survey as to the performance of the stormwater network. And so it gets really hard to try and reconcile both of those things, and, and some of that will be a residual distrust from 2015. I would, I would like to, I would hazard a guess, but we don't know that. Yeah. Uh, and the, the far bigger uh, projects uh, going on around how we get the best information, the best data that we can, and the best um, feedback that we can from the community in order to uh, do a better job of the things that we do. Yeah, I don't want to think that some people hold prejudice uh, and that influences their uh, with what they write down with their pen and paper, but uh, it may be, be the case. Um, I wonder if the fast track straight to residency pathway will help with consent. Uh, I see a couple of people on the list, a couple of jobs on the list that might just do that, so that could be something that could help uh, with council meeting a couple of those targets in the future. Um, now, I, I came into town the other day on a Tuesday afternoon, and I... Um, I drove. I don't usually drive. I catch the bus, but I had the car, so I drove. And I found a park uh, straight away, and it was 50 metres from my first destination. Uh, and there were quite a few parks there. Um, which, But it meant I had to walk 50 metres, Aaron, to where I wanted to go and 50 metres back. Now, I like to park right outside where I want to go. Uh, are, you okay? are you okay? I mean... <laughs> It sounds like a traumatic experience. Oh, like I tell you, I was upset. Uh, I'm middle-aged and I'm overweight, Aaron, and I had to walk 50 metres. Uh, I'm not happy about it. Yeah, look, <laughs> Sorry, I we, we, we know that, um, and I, and I shouldn't, be, shouldn't be so facetious about it, we know that um, there are people in the community for whom closer and more direct access to the services that they need is really important. Yes. Uh, particularly people with... with um, with mobility issues and certainly a focus of our planning in the city centre is to prioritise and in the, in the uh, finished work in George Street that, that there will be greater priority given to people who have a genuine need uh, to be um, closer to to where they need to get to and, and that isn't me um, and, and, and it isn't you and by and large um we have um, we have adequate resource, whether or not it's used in the right way, and, and certainly you know, we've done we've, we've done parking capacity studies that illustrate this. It doesn't seem to make much of a difference to the wider narrative that others seem to be keen to push that there is a scarcity. Um, we also have uh, a growing population and only the same amount of space uh, to, to move people around and and, and store their private motor vehicles in. So you know, that's all part of the, the wider thinking around how we make it easier for people to um, not give up driving. It's not about convincing people to never use their car. That's never going to be a likely outcome. But to make fewer of their trips by vehicle and to be able to make more of them either by, by bus or by walking or, or by cycling and so on. Um, it's not about uh, telling everyone that they have to um, bike uh, to and from a town when they're nine months pregnant and carry their sofa on the back of a uh, cargo bike from Harvey Norman's back to their house. It's not about that. No. Uh, there will always be a need for people to use 
use vehicles to shift themselves and, and to move goods around. But uh, we have to make it easier and, uh, and safer for people to to use uh, alternatives uh, as the um, as we as the as the city grows within the same. Uh, constraints that we currently have. Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, my question for this was was exactly that. You know, are we going to prioritise um, those people that do have mobility issues? And like you just said, um, you know, pregnant women or women with, uh, well, families, I should say, with, with young children. Um, we see that a lot in supermarkets at the moment where there are yeah. car parks that are spaced out just for people uh, w- with young kids. Is that something that the council is looking at as well? Uh, I, I don't, I, I don't think so at this point. Uh, it is a, and, and we have similar discussions for uh, around, or have had similar discussions previously around um, uh, around elderly drivers uh, as well. But uh, these are all things to be considered. Certainly, uh, having a having a young child changed the way I thought about uh, how space functions and, yes. and how far apart things can be. Um, and, and that's why the, we have things like far more um, opportunities for people to sit and rest and water fountains and all of those sorts of things and the design for the George Street work because uh, all of a sudden a, a city block becomes a marathon uh, when you've got a, uh, a toddler in tow uh, and just yeah, thinking more widely about how uh, our urban design decision can be more or uh, welcoming or accessible or inclusive of people um, of various ages and stages and, and, and in various uh, situations and, and I'm looking forward to seeing, um, seeing that work progress. Do we know, just quickly as the last thing, do we know that you know we, we, we saw in the report that the, the hospital was putting in 500 car parks is that going to be a mixture of public and just hospital parking, or is it just purely hospital parking? It's probably a question better put to Mr. Hodgson. I, yeah, I'd say I, so. I, I don't, I don't know the the detail of their um, of their parking plans. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because five hundred car parks, a lot of car parks. A lot of car parks. All right, um, brilliant. Well, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much, Mayor. Have yourself a wonderful, uh, beautiful Otipoti Thursday, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for listening to a Radio 191 FM podcast. There are heaps more at r1.co.nz.